Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week. We are back. I hope everyone had a lovely little holiday Thanksgiving break. I know it was nice to, to step away for a second, you know? Legit, I didn't go on social media basically the entire time. I went on a handful of times on my personal, like just do like a little scroll, but like not, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about it. Didn't go on TikTok at all besides two TikToks I was shared. Love. And it was like, honestly, one, super refreshing. Like, obviously, you guys know we're social media girlies. And yeah. if you're listening and you work in the political space and you need some social media advice, definitely subscribe to our newsletter, hashtag viral. We give tips and tricks. But regardless of whether you're in it to win it, you love it or not, like sometimes you really do need to just like take a breather. Yeah. And I literally, I looked at my, I got the notification for screen time and my usual screen time per day is like over seven hours. Like, insane and just generally also because like our business is on social media and Mm -hmm. on our phones so it's really just by proxy of that but Mm -hmm. with with this break i averaged less than three hours wow that's amazing and it's like i dabbled in like a few things here and there likewise but most of them weren't super phone connected you know it wasn't Mm -hmm. like oh my god let me pull up these 10 screens because also i feel like that's how we operate like we have like five screens out at once so that's part of it but literally seven hours to less than three. Yeah. No, I love that. Insane. That's amazing. I need to do more of that. Sometimes when I go home, though, I'm like not even like more drawn to my phone, but sometimes I just reach for it even more because I'm like, you know, we're just sitting around on the couch, just like relaxing. And sometimes it's like, what do you reach for your phone? But it you was like I- less because I wasn't working, too. It's like crazy how much of the work part takes up our screen time. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. And I will also say that just, it just got a little, you know, hamster on the wheel of thinking because I definitely do the same thing. And not just that, like even from watching something, which by the way, is record breaking. I watched three movies, all terrible, by the way, but Mm -hmm. three, I sat through three movies this weekend. I don't know what was wrong with me. I still was like always like grabbing for my phone, but I wasn't even mm-hmm. looking at anything. And I was like, why is this an attachment to my body at this point? Like, no, it's an literally. Extra hand. And I really think like, you know, it's an old school thing, but I think we need fidget spinners or like fidget, like a grabby ball or like something. Well, you know what? I also sometimes too, when I watch TV, it's also become kind of second nature to me to want to like be on my phone or like shop or just like kind of have yeah. something else to do while I'm watching TV. Because our attention spans, I think, in this generation are just so tiny that you just need yeah. something else. But me and my roommate a few weeks ago, we did like a puzzle. We had a puzzle like on our coffee table and we would just like sit and do the puzzle while we watched our shows. And it was like the perfect little okay. activity. Low key. So I want like more crafty puzzling. or like puzzle. Yeah. 
so freaking fun. I've been big on the puzzling recently. And Mm -hmm. when I tell you that I've almost pulled a muscle puzzling each time because it's like on the floor looking for even surfaces. I'm not even kidding you. Easiest way to pull a lower back muscle puzzling, but I love it. I will do it if that's no, I know. how I go out. I think out, I like I strained my neck as well. I was like leaning over the coffee table, just like cranking my neck. But yeah, I also, I'm trying to find other like kind of art, artsy crafts type things. Like sometimes even though like adult coloring books look fun. I love those. Or this this week, my sister and my mom and I, we got my mom this like home, at home sculpting kit. It's called Sculpt. And I got it, I think either last, not this year's Mother's Day, the year before, I think. And we like just totally forgot about it and never used it. And so we finally did it this week. And it's like super easy. They just give you like clay. You don't need to like fire it or like put it in yeah. the kiln or anything and and it's just like super easy at home sculpting i was like that was so fun so i have a little extra clay i'll, I'll have to make something else but just more crafty things if you guys have yeah. any suggestions on some adult crafts that we can take up or just some little hobbies that we can do instead of looking at, at our phones i think is the the big takeaway a thousand percent i also think there's one other takeaway and that is that i think we need to make a girl on the gov puzzle at some point <gasps> that's actually really fucking smart Mm-hmm. Whoa! Because nobody I'm does merch, genius. puzzle merch. Nobody take that idea from us. Okay, well we're gonna start working on that immediately. But let me write that down. Puzzle merch. I- also, speaking of merch, just like FYI, mm-hmm. is there is a tidbit, a tidbit of merch left with our social goods collection. So since it's limited edition, you're gonna want to get it before it goes, before there's none left. Mm-hmm. So. If you haven't already, go to socialgoods.com and get yourself a trucker hat, a tote, a pop socket. One of the stickers, one of them is sold out. So I'm sorry if you wanted an I voted sticker, but not right now. We will bring it back. We'll we'll try. Friends don't let friends miss elections is an evergreen saying. And it's something that you're going to want to promote every election season because there's pretty much an election every year. So get yours if you have not yet. It doesn't have to be a 2022 midterm situation. It is evergreen. You can use it over and over again. And like Sam said, it's limited edition. So it's going to be a collective vintage piece one day. And you're going to want to pass it down to your daughters as well. You guys, (laughs) I'm telling you, just wait. You're going to wish... 10 years from now, you had that friends don't mess, let friends miss elections trucker hat. So go get yours. Again, they're super cute and they are still available on socialgoods.com. So go get them. But let's get into these top stories of the week and kick it off with Congress because we are back in this lame duck session. They, they're back from their holiday. And so the Senate returns today, which is Monday when we're recording this. And then the House will be back Tuesday when you guys are listening to this. And so President Joe Biden also arrived back in Washington from Nantucket on Sunday evening for his holiday festivities. Both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. Speaking of which, we're about to be there in a few days. We're going to DC Facts. this week, guys. Pennsylvania Avenue are ready to resume critical lame duck session. The top priority is funding the government past December 16th. And we've got some news there, plus passing the annual defense authorization package, same-sex marriage, and reforming the Electoral College, among other topics. And the Georgia Senate runoff is also heading toward a high-stakes finish, while House Democrats will hold a historic passing of the torch from Nancy Pelosi to Hakeem Jeffries. So let's, yeah. Yes, Um, student. This is, yeah, sorry, raising hand. The thing that goes through my head every time we say lame duck session is like like a duck actually quacking. So just so you know, like that's what's happening in my head when you're reading that. 
Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just like wondering if we're going to see this lame duck when we're in DC. Like, is it just like waddling around the streets? Wait, wait. <laughs> Imagine a scavenger hunt, a DC scavenger hunt, and you're trying to find the lame duck. And the there's clues. But there's no lame duck. But there could be. Like, it would, it would be a joke. It'd be like, you know. Mm. Get it? Get it? It would be so fun. Do you know how fun a drunken scavenger hunt is? It's it's next level. It's next oh, level. Oh, we're drinking for that. Okay. Well, have you? Well, good times. Good times. Well, anyways, we will work on the lame duck scavenger hunt. Also, maybe we'll pair it with. It'll be like there's the like congressional softball game this part of the year, and then there's the lame duck scavenger hunt in this part of the year. We'll figure it out. Wait, and all the hints could be about like the bills they're passing. So you like, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever come up with in my life. Yeah, please. <laughs> please, Ferris. Because speaking of nerdy stuff, we have some nerdy stuff to get into here because we have to start with government funding. So the current continuing resolution keeping federal agencies open expires on December 16th. And we can report that Democratic leaders are already discussing another one-week extension until December 23rd. But even if they get... A one-week CR, defining reminder moment, continuing resolutions or temporary spending bills that allow the federal government operations to continue when final appropriations have not been approved by Congress and the president. We love a glossary moment. But even if they get a one-week CR, no one's sure that they'll be able to get that year-long one by that date of December the 23rd. So... A one-week extension would make sense if the two sides are close to a deal on a top-line spending target and simply need some more time to work out the details for all 12 bills. But there's no overall agreement on how much to spend split between defense and non-defense spending, and there are a lot of policy writers to work out. So the Senate will need several days to process any omnibus package and overcome GOP objections. There are also the possibility of last-minute theatrics in the House, so conservative Republicans may not hate anything more than an omnibus funding package. There's even been some discussion of a year-long stopgap measure, but this would be a last resort for all, all involved. And a stopgap measure is basically a temporary measure that usually is used to avert government shutdowns. So the Pentagon is already warning congressional leaders in both parties about the negative impact on the U.S. military of a year-long CR, something that's never happened on defense spending. And so in letters to Pelosi said failure to come to a full year funding agreement, not a CR, would result in significant harm to our people and our programs and would cause harm to our national security and our competitiveness. So everyone is just fighting over... Money, 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 money. And so the White House and Democratic leaders are pushing for a full year of government funding. Biden has requested $37 billion in economic and military aid for Ukraine, as well as tens of billions of dollars in new COVID aid and disaster relief. There are problems on all of these fronts. People see little chance of Republicans agreeing to any new COVID funding. And House Republicans in particular are increasingly wary of unfettered Ukraine military assistance, despite the fact that Ukraine is beating Russia on the battlefield. The Pentagon faces increasing calls from GOP lawmakers to account for all the U.S. weapons sent to Ukraine. Let's also note that there has been some discussion of lifting the debt limit during the lame duck session. 
including by Pelosi, but we don't see that happening. So there just isn't time to do a reconciliation package and move it through the House and the Senate. And so Democrats will keep talking about it, however. And meanwhile, the Senate are planning on finishing up the same-sex marriage bill this week. It's likely to take until Thursday, barring any time agreement. The House must hold another vote on the revised measure, and then it's on to Biden's desk for his signature on the landmark bipartisan legislation. Once it's done with same-sex marriage, the Senate will shift back to the annual defense authorization package, a must-pass bill. The bipartisan electoral college reform package is likely to be added to the NDAA, or the omnibus package. And so basically, this lame duck session is trending longer than many expected. Much of the action seems to be weighted toward mid to late December. Everything in this Congress takes longer than it should. So that is the policy wonk story of what's going on in Congress right now. I wonder if the same-sex marriage bill is going to pass when we're there. Oh, interesting. Honestly, probably. That'll be fun. That would be fun. We'll we'll be sure to attend any thing we can regarding that. And maybe we'll take some content and show you guys what's what's happening there on that. We'll be but. like, what is the word? Being thirsty AF for invites. So mm-hmm. we will be. Yeah. And if anyone can help us get any invites mm-hmm. anywhere, mm-hmm. really. Let us know. And what something also we mentioned last week was a White House tour. Not sure that's going to happen because you have to like plan it so far in advance. But I I can't believe how far you have to plan it in advance. I literally did not realize it was like you have to literally call your representative's office and ask them to get you. Well, it's honestly that process isn't crazy. Like you submit a form, whatever, pretty easy, but you have to do it with at least like a 21 day plus window lead time for them to submit it. So like if you're going on a month, like you are interested on a Monday and you want to go on a Friday, ain't happening. But there's yeah. like literally for I wonder if you called time, though, you're supposed to- and didn't do the forum that they might be like, oh, let's get it around. Well, it seemed like from what I was reading on a few different websites, a few different of like rep combos or whatever is for anything in the spring, you want to book it over five months in advance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I looked on like it said when I looked on it, it said like call your rep and then it took me to Nancy's Nancy's page. And then it didn't give me any like form. It just said oh. call. So I don't know. Oh weird. Well but anyways, mine, but mine wants me to fill too, out a form. Oh, we love a good form. But all the Christmas decorations are up. Jill just finished this weekend on decorating oh. the White House. And I was like, oh, I would die to be in there and see it. Curious what she did with the place. I haven't seen the But I'm sure this is like the busiest time for White House tours because of all of the decorations. Apparently it's in the spring. Apparently. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Because of the cherry blossoms. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 That'll do it. Yeah. But regardless, we will be in D.C. We have kind of a jam-packed schedule, which I'm super amped for. But we will will try and show some, some highlights, some tidbits, some sparkle. Mm-hmm. And we can make our first vlog, but I just you every know time us. I say I'm gonna make a vlog, I'm like we you know what it is too. There's something about is I don't have enough us. iPhone storage. Okay, well that's 
It's just that's simply, an issue. simply can't make it happen. That's <laughs> honestly what I need to do on the flight is I really need to go through. I say this every time I travel and then I'm like not in the mood to do it. But I have like 62,000 plus pictures at this point and over no, 6,000 videos. We'll see if we can make something work, you know? We can attempt. Anyways, we got to get back to the midterms because they, they ain't over. They really ain't over. Surely. Let's go to Arizona. Side note, we really should go to Arizona. I would love some sun. The GOP is locked in a battle with Arizona's Maricopa County over its handling of the midterm elections, with Republicans claiming voter disenfranchisement and demanding certification delays as election officials vowed to move ahead. The campaigns of Republican gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake and Republican Secretary of State nominee Mark Fincham called for an election redo, contesting county officials' assertion that affected voters could still cast legal ballots. GOP figures have already mounted legal challenges and promised to dig in as the county which spans the Phoenix area and comprises about 60 percent of Arizona's population becomes the epicenter of Republican election challenges this year. Allegations are centered on printer issues. Maricopa residents can cast a ballot at any of the county's vote centers, so poll workers print customized ballots on demand to match one of the more than 12,000 ballot styles, depending on where a voter lives. But after previously testing the printers, county officials say they began hearing at 6.30 a.m. on Election Day that some machines were printing ballots too light for tabulators to read. Oh, my God. Literally, story of my life, me printing something and it not coming out right. Okay. Anyways, the GOP has seized on those malfunctions, claiming they led to a range of issues that effectively disenfranchise voters. I'll give them that. I don't disagree with that. Maricopa County, you know, like... I don't think it would have changed the game, but I'm just saying, like, if ballots can't be read, that's a problem Mm -hmm. for sure. Maricopa County officials acknowledge the malfunctions, but insist voters could utilize one of the multiple backup options. See, there you go. Waiting until the issue is resolved, casting a ballot at another vote center or depositing the ballot in a separate box for tabulation later known as door three. I will just side note this one other thing is like voter disenfranchisement also is the fact that like there isn't allocated time to vote like it's not a holiday a paid holiday for people so it's like okay maybe you have the time to hop over to the vote center and take 15 minutes but if something goes wrong you don't have three hours to sit there and wait for them to fix it so right i will put that also in the box of you know i'm not wrong anyways a republican coalition can i just say something on that point because i also am like so valid that but the other interesting part is that there are like targeted there's targeted voter disenfranchisement tactics put Mm -hmm. across the country, mostly targeting people of color or people in disenfranchised communities. And like that you never see, I guess the Democrats who would benefit from those votes say, let's redo this election or this, these results aren't valid or, you know, deny any election results, you know, so that's what's a very interesting tidbit to me in this. That That is a very fair point. I also think something so interesting about Arizona, just before I finish this bit, is the fact that it does not matter where you live in this country. You know Maricopa County, mm-hmm. thanks to Steve Kornacki. And every election, we are <laughs> always talking about Maricopa County. Like mm-hmm. the t- first time I set my foot in Maricopa County, like, I don't know, got to do something interesting for it because yeah, I just like starstruck. Feel, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like a, almost like it's like a bucket list travel point. There are the seven wonders of the world. It's the seven voting wonders of the world. Maricopa County. Truly. Regardless. 
A Republican coalition began mounting legal challenges over issues on Election Day, asking for an extension of voting hours in Maricopa. A state judge rejected the motion moments before. Polls closed, saying he had seen no evidence a voter was prevented from casting a ballot. Last week, Republican Attorney General nominee Abraham Hamadov formally contested his election result alongside the Republican National Committee. Lake, who trails Governor-elect Katie Hobbs by a far larger margin of about 17,000 votes, has not yet contested her election, but her campaign sued Maricopa over public records requests related to the malfunctions, and Lake's attorney argued in filings the promise meet the legal threshold for the county to delay its certification. I have a different comment. Okay. And that is something that ran through my brains this weekend. When did we decide that newscasters and news anchors have to speak in a very specific voice? Well, I was going to say, you definitely take on a newscaster voice when you run through these stories. <laughs> a thousand percent. But like, where does that, like, I know where it comes from. Like, I've been influenced. But it's like, where oh did we God. come up with that to begin with? You know, who was like, you know what, we're going to re- read like, early voting in Georgia. Wait. I know. I wonder what it like I, actually you know? even like became a thing in society because i even think like if you listen to like walter cronkite who's like the og like news anchor i feel like he didn't ever talk like that you know like i feel like it had to be like a a more modern day i don't know it's, well, also, it's to that point, when did we start you know like how if you like watch a movie from like the 20s 30s 40s even and they all they speak so properly like it's like almost british but it's not it's like mm-hmm. oh dearie dear like, yeah that? and i'm like when did we switch from being like this weird high-pitched everyone's speaking in these fake almost british british accent like ways yeah to speaking like we do and i'm not just talking about like lingo obviously no lingo. it's interesting how there's accents per time period right like, we were talking about vocal fry, my family and I, this week. My dad just, like, loves to make fun of, like, how I talk, how we talk on the show. Wait, what's vocal fry? I think it's when you – it's kind of like – honestly, I feel like I have it. It's like when you – it's kind of like that valley girl type voice, I think, where you say, yeah. like, oh, or, you know, like, oh, like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like a surf- – I don't know. Let me look it up exactly. But okay. I'm trying to think of a word that, like, would – okay, yeah. Vocal fry is thought to have become a more common among young female speakers of American English in the early 21st century with the style of speaking being, where is this? Where did this matter? There's vocal fry. I'm just kidding. But style of speaking being considered hesitant, non-aggressive, and informal, but also educated, urban-oriented, and upwardly mobile. Interesting, like, actual definition of it, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, most of the time I am a living breathing version of vocal fry if anyone is curious so yeah interesting okay yeah. you've got a new term on but, but you vocal know vocal fry it, like they said it's like a 21st century kind of so way to wild. talk but it's yeah it's true like back in the 50s or whatever they talked fucking weird <laughs> so <laughs> okay i also okay one more linguistic comment too and it's about words trending and i want to talk about like pre-social media ish so in i would say end of middle school my friends and I, like, obviously, Law and Order, they said the word heinous, like, heinous crimes. But my friend group used to be like, oh, my God, that's so hein. Like, oh, my God, a heinous, so hein, whatever. For whatever reason. I don't remember which one of my friends started doing it, but we all started doing it. Then everyone in my school started doing it. Not even because of us. Just it's like people start saying stuff by, you know, that. 
And then I remember like going to college and people all said heinous and heinous. And then seeing on social media, like it was like all of these different spots. And I was like, when did we all just start saying hein and heinous casually? Who started? And do then you, you think, think that you, who was the, you started it? No, but I do think that I started the resurgence of riding boots in high school. So if you oh, were I'm talking about um, something different, I know like like slang. I feel like there's so many times in my life where I genuinely believe that my friend group created a slang that was then ultimately used by the wider public. Like our friend group in high school, without any type of outside influence, would always put Z at the beginning of like a D word. So we would say like zown or like zout it. And then we know I feel like that's now a thing I hear all the time. Or like even Zaddy. Like oh. there's there's so many I've I've seen it spread. And I'm like You've seen it, you mean start. <laughs> it has to be a D word. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> but I've definitely I'm like, we started that. But there's I don't know. There's so many things you know throughout my mean? life. I'm like, I feel like the slang started from my friend group nowhere else. Here here we are. That one will give you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, okay, anyways, we need to keep going. We do. Linguistics aside, if anyone also has any other slang words that you're like, oh my God, we definitely started this, like you and your friend group, whatever, let us know. I'm curious what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Georgia. Early voting in Georgia's runoff election between Senator Raphael Warnock and GOP hopeful and absolute moron Herschel Walker kicked off over the weekend, marking the final stretch in a race that will determine whether Democrats expand their majority in the upper chamber or Republicans maintain a 50-50 split. The runoff, which started bitter and has grown only more contentious, has the two candidates with a close margin. Warnock led Walker by only 37,000 votes on election night. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? Now, as all eyes once again turn to Georgia, both candidates have ramped up ads and fundraising ahead of the December 6th runoff. Here are five things to watch as early voting kicks off in the Peach State, which really makes me want a peach cobbler. Just said, no, just, just hunger things over here. Okay, let's talk about turnout. After a Georgia Supreme Court ruling allowed early voting to begin on Saturday, turnout is already soaring. As of Monday morning, data from the Georgia Secretary of State's website showed more than 181,000 Georgians had already cast their ballots. And a majority of those voters were Black, a key Democratic voting bloc. Awesome. Amazing. We actually had done a TikTok about this particular issue of the no Saturday voting before the Georgia Supreme Court ruling came into effect. We did update the TikTok, but pinning is not working. So just FYI, if you see it, we know. And yeah, womp womp. But very exciting news of how this turned out. Just womp womp that we can't pin things right now. Anyways, on to other things. Donald Trump, always a sour note in everyone's soup. Former President Trump threw his support (laughs) behind Walker back in September. Are there sour soups? No. Interesting. I don't like soup, so that's why I ask. Mm. Okay. I don't really believe in like, why are we drowning our food? Mm, valid. Like it's swimming. I don't get. I don't it. really like. I don't really like soup. This is why we're friends. Okay, this all makes sense now. <laughs> okay. This is why this works. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We've been wondering like what really brought us together. Why did the universe bring us together? This had this podcast two years ago, and it's. We just figured it out. (laughs) You know, if you don't like soup, 
You got a friend in us. A thousand percent. We are, we're definitely going to get some hate from the pro suit community. The suit, I the see it already. Community. Yeah. It's, we're, we're my prepared. family is part of the suit community and same. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they're always, they're always just at their wits' end. That I don't I'm dislike not a part of the soup. soup like, community. I'll have it, but I never order it. I never want it. I'll eat it when I need to eat it. I mean, that's unfortunate for me. Yeah, My I'm one so exception, I'm curious if this is an exception for you, as like a, this is like more of an East Coast thing, is I will have New England clam chowder like once a year. But it's like not really soup. It's like kind of just eating cream. Yeah. I think clam chowder can be good. But again, I'm like never ordering yeah. it. I'm like, I'm going for the lobster roll over like clam chowder if I'm at a place like that, you know? Fair, fair. A crab cake. Okay. So Donald Trump, sour note in people's soup. For the soup mm-hmm. eaters, sour note in, I guess, what do we eat that could be sour, turn sour? Milk? Cheese. Cheese. He's the sour note in our cheese. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know what's happening. Let's I'm just. Sorry. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> yeah, let's just. Uh, so he threw his support behind Walker back in September and again in October after several controversies. <laughs> around several controversies around the former football player came to light. On Trump's speech announcing his 2024 presidential run, he called Walker a fabulous human being who loves our country. But Trump has also proven to be a hindrance, I love that word, to the GOP in the peach state. Meanwhile, after a lackluster general election in which all of Trump's endorsed candidates lost, some Republicans are likely concerned about the prospect of the former president wading into the race. Hey, I'll say he said, he was a fantastic football player, and he's going to be an even better senator. I'm like, correlation. There's nothing about that that seemed to, like, so sell me on a candidate. <laughs> like, literally none. Like, he's, former, he's a great football see... player, so he's going to just kill it in the Senate. <laughs> like, what? Did you see no. that his Herschel Walker's, like, former high school football coach is campaigning against him with Warnock? Stop. And he, like, makes, like, comments like that. Like, I think it's on, I can't remember if it's, like, the team TikTok or if it's on their IG as, like, a as a reel. But they basically have, like, a really good video of, like, him campaigning and making commentary about, like, lack of correlation. Do you think between... that that is, that was an idea of Warnock's campaign to be, like, let's reach out to the people in his life to see if they're they would campaign mm. against him or do you think that his football coach just happens to like despise him so much that he's like reaching out to warnock's campaign you know it's i a feel good, like it's a warnock strategy it's a really good question to add to the questions list for the next campaign manager that we have on the show okay there it is there it is now i have to remember to put that in a doc after we hop off but i will do my best Yep. The next bullet point to discuss here, next thing to think about is independent and split ticket voters. Now, this is actually a topic that we talked quite a bit about with Brian Derrick. He came on for our midterm recap episode, top stories episode that was a little bit of a different format. We basically just did three hosts and talked all about the midterms, what the implications of the race results were going to be and are going to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we really talked about split ticket voters because it was something that we saw a lot this election. I think it's something personally that I didn't expect. I didn't realize like how prevalent it was. And I felt just very pulled into it. We all did. But some interesting commentary on that trend and how that works and what that's been like in the past and now. So just after you finish listening to this. The biggest split ticket moment was definitely Georgia too. And now we're 
it's going to be a big dynamic thinking about what could happen now in the in the runoff. Totally. And during the general election, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who's a Republican, won 2.1 million votes, while Walker won only slightly more than 1.9 million votes, indicating that not all Republican voters cast their ballots based on party alliance. So you see that difference in between there, and that could result in votes going different ways. So And now there's no not that independent candidate. True. true and true. that's like kind of was a big reason why they ended up. Neither of them getting to 50%, which led to the runoff, was there was a third candidate who was like an independent or third-party candidate, and he took away a lot of the votes from both Warnock and Herschel Walker. And so now that guy is not part of this runoff, and so it's just going to come down to the two of them. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. A thousand percent. And now for another moment, another bullet in this list, abortion. After the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade this summer, abortion played a defining role in this year's midterms. We all knew that. Thank you. Nearly 86% of Black voters in Georgia oppose the state's current law, according to the University of Georgia survey commissioned by Georgia News Collaborative. Now, what was interesting, too, is the six-week abortion ban was struck down by the courts recently, and then it just got reinstated. Mm -hmm. So it is like whiplash, whiplash constantly there. This will still be something that I think pulls people out. It was a big draw for this election in general. I think it's going to be something that we see for this runoff yeah. too, because it's still in line. It's not it ain't over. Yeah, especially if it's like getting the whiplash is happening, then it's like, can we just get our rights, please? And keep right. them. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And also just clarification, the oh six week abortion ban, that's the whiplash issue, is a state law, not a federal law. This race is a federal race. However, we've talked about how those things intermingle and whatnot. So just stuff like Clarification point. Lastly, the Obama effect, a.k.a. Oof. Oof. effect. I just... He, the more Samantha's Obama... has been in heat since Obama hit the... What about a dog? Hit the campaign trail for these midterm elections. And <laughs> the Obama effect is real. Also, Michelle posted the, the cutest post of the two of them i was dying it was like so freaking adorable and i was talking about like marriage and like just their relationship and they were so oh the two of them so cute my mom really wants michelle to run in 2024 that would be amazing i don't think she'll do it though i don't really either who knows true she would be like amazing i feel like the person though and especially the woman that Mm. Could do it just because the right and men love to tear women down. And it's hard to find, like, the right candidate to finally break that ceiling. And I feel like it could be Michelle would be a good option for that. True. Anyways, what's the Obama effect? So Obama announced before Thanksgiving he would campaign with Warnock on December 1st. It will be Obama's second time campaigning in the Peach State for Warnock. An Obama visit could mobilize not only black voters, but others as well. When campaigning for president, he built a coalition that was diverse in race, location, and party lines, which we love to see. I also like to say that the writer of this news story clearly was trying not to use the word Georgia. And I'm so curious as to why. I've never seen the Peach State written so many times in an article. Like, usually it's like, you know, when you're you're trying to do a cinnamon situation. Cinnamon. I don't understand why they feel like they have to find all these other words. I'm like, it's I don't you were talking about Georgia. You're gonna have to say Georgia a lot 
that's fine. I don't need you to like make it. Same with like people's names. Like if we're talking about Michelle Obama, for example, you can just say her name multiple times. You don't need to say the former president's wife, Michelle, or, you know, like how they do that where they're they're, like in like a pop pop culture story. They'll be like the the singer of adore you like harry you know like just like why just say his name like we don't need the descriptor if i remember correctly and i'm not saying this is the right way is i think they're trying to stay within like ap style standards i know i I know it's definitely like a journalistic standard but i just have never ever understood it but anyways those are your top stories of the week we have your congressional updates and these lingering Thanksgiving leftovers, midterm leftovers updates that you can take with you for the week. We will be back tomorrow with our guest of the week. Samantha, would you like to introduce him? Uh, I would love to introduce him. Our guest tomorrow is Nicholas Ferroni. He is an activist in the education space. He's also a teacher. And we talk all about teacher pay, the need for teacher raises, the teacher shortage, issues in education and holes in education policy, some solutions, and sort of the reasoning for why we are at the point that we are at. It is one of many conversations that we will be having about education policy this year. So, well, I guess it's still 2022, but you get my point. 2022 into 2023. So go check it out. Give him a follow, Nicholas Ferroni on Instagram, and can't wait for you guys to listen. We'll be talking to you tomorrow. We'll leave you there. Toodles. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.